Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> you got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I got to ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African-Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Transformation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the communities. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today's episode is brought to you by the folks at the Creative Running Collection, an eclectic ensemble of artists from all walks of life and disciplines. I mean, we're talking established to wannabe writers, actors, directors, artists, bloggers, vloggers, videographers, podcasters, journalists, producers, and editors who are passionate about creating content for running and entertainment purposes. Still, but more importantly, they inspire people to pursue a healthy lifestyle by helping them identify their purpose, maximize their potential accelerate their growth and continuing the cycle. In other words, they help people IMAC their life. So, if you've got some hidden talent and you're looking for a safe place to express, own, and display your talent, shoot them an email at the Behind the Wheel Morning Show at gmail.com. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or know of an entrepreneur, a small business owner looking to advertise on the Behind the Wheel podcast, but weren't certain as to whether or not there was a possibility, we have eliminated all the guesswork. It certainly is a reality. Who's this we you're talking about? You know it's just you. I'm not going to go with we. We now have, we going with we? I think we're going to go with we. Let's try. We now have the ability for you to sponsor an episode. How cool is that? Your ad can run pre, mid, or post roll. Simply visit coffee.com forward slash BTW podcast. The details will be in the show notes. That's ko com forward slash BTW podcast. And one of the cool things about coffee.com is it allows supporters of the show to buy me a cup of coffee. You all know I like coffee. So... Shout out to Latoya Shantae, Soul Inspired, Kimberly Hall, and Kim Isaiah. That's why I'm all hyped up on this coffee. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Baby Oxford. Yo, D-Rock, D-Livingstone! Woo! Woo! I'm here. This is a treat. This is a a gentleman that I've known for, for, for some time. Um... The governor, he's the governor, I'm going to find out why we call him exactly the governor, but he's, he's got a, a, an excellent sense of style and fashion. Um, he's, I've been seeing him and his parents uh, in Beulah Land for a number of years now, and so it's a treat to be actually able to sit down and, and spend time with this brother. Give it up to Mr. Sean, the Governor Grover. <laughs> How you doing there, sir? Yo, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing really, really, really good, man. Under the circumstances of what we're going through, pandemic, lost, um, uncertainties, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, last couple of days I've just been feeling well and um, just trying to be and stay optimistic, mm-hmm. you know, for the future, um, even though there may be still some continued change in the world. 
um, I'm learning to maybe have to embrace it, you know what I'm saying? And just try to just keep moving forward, man. That's yeah. all we could do. Yes. Before we go any further, man, I got to know, are you a D&D man or are you a five bucks man? I'm a Dunkin' Donuts. I love Starbucks. Love Starbucks. But uh, for the convenience, Dunkin' Donuts is where it's at for me. Mm-hmm. So um, usually when I go for a morning walk around 7.30 a.m., 7.45 a.m., I walk, talk with God, and then stop Dunkin' Donuts, get a caramel iced coffee or iced coffee, and head back home. So, uh, you know, I'm not a straight coffee drinker, mm-hmm. but I'm a definitely an iced coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird. It kind of just hit me maybe like, Maybe like six years ago, I hated coffee as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, but um, or around and people that you know drunk coffee, but somehow weirdness it just kind of hit me in my later years of my life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so tell folks a little bit about yourself. Um, how you evolved into this fashionista? You know, this this made you acquire your great sense of style from. Um. Um, I think I'm an all-around guy, so more than just being, uh, uh, I won't say I'm a fashion guru or anything like that, so, but I'm more of a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so having worked in the entertainment industry for 20-plus years, man, um, I got the one thing I had uh, learned on um, my first, kind of my first job was working for a big-time publicist. Um, Black-owned company named uh, Andrew Ellaby Double Exposure. And he really had some major clients, you know, in the early 90s, um, like Dionne Warwick and Phyllis Hyman and just a lot of different people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mary J. Blige at the time or so. And he taught me how to, if you're going to be in this business of in, uh, entertainment, you have to kind of like know a little bit of every department. So you have to kind of like know... With the publicity department do, with the marketing department do, with the creative department do, and then sometimes you can go into a project and just do everything yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, even if it came down to like hair and makeup, I don't know how to do hair and makeup, but I was good <laughs> with clothes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like knew how to intertwine being creative mm-hmm. and being able to like you know be like on the video shoot or a photo shoot. And, you know, working with the marketing concept of it, but also being visual and knowing how to, you know, oh, this clothes and this item will look well on this person uh, because of their complexion, because of their style, because of their built, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How it was kind of like translate, you know, in pictures. At that time, it wasn't like big time videos or uh-huh. social media in the early 90s. So, you know, things just had to like look, look a certain way. And I just like kind of like learned that nick and that knack at a very early age and mm-hmm. just kind of just morphed it into my everyday being. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now you went to FIT. Yes, for a short period of time, like maybe a year. Okay. <laughs> so, and that's how I kind of got into the entertainment industry was mm-hmm. I, I was going to FIT, wanted to be a fashion buyer. Um, and um, went like, yo, doing it, then got a part-time job at a buying company on 7th Avenue mm-hmm. and like 37th Street, the heart of the fashion district. And it was owned by, you know, you know, some Jewish people, but it was mm-hmm. a dope fashion company. And I remember working and I told um, I told the general manager at the time, I was like, you know, I would love to be a buyer. And, you know, this position is coming up. You know, I would love to be like, a, you know, a sales assistant 
in the buying office and they was thinking about it. And then I never forget, I heard it was a hard lesson I had to learn, but I learned it that day. And I was probably like around maybe 22 years old. And my general manager, she was a woman, great woman. She said, Mr. Renshaw is not going to hire you. So I think you should look for another job. And I said, I like, I've been working a year. You guys know my work ethic. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, he's not going to hire you because a black would never do well in, in as, as a buyer, as an associate buyer. So you're not going to you know, do well. And I took that information and received it. I was 22, like I said, and it devastated me. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And it just ruined my whole dreams about fashion. And somehow I just landed uh, in this PR company and just kind of like migrated into entertainment. I was like, oh, I like entertainment. Wow. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? And again, it still allowed me to see some aspects of fashion, mm-hmm. um, but it opened up a whole new world to me. You know what I'm saying? So, but um, I regretted it. So I dropped out of FIT after mm-hmm. that devastating news. And I regretted it for over 20 years of my life because mm-hmm. I've never got my degree. I never finished my college education. Um, and that, you know, kind of like saddened my parents, but I was just hurt and devastated by that. I took that, I, my later lesson in life to younger generation was don't ever let nobody tell you mm-hmm. what you can't do. You know, I was young, inexperienced. I didn't know how to kind of stand up for myself back then. Mm-hmm. But I tell young people like, you know, someone tell you that you can't, no, you can. And then now you have to definitely prove them wrong and prove them in their face that, you know what? Yes, I can do this. So mm-hmm. it was a life, it was a lesson that I learned, but it was a valuable lesson. So that, which prompted me to go back in my 40s to get, mm-hmm. finish up my degree because I was only like a year and a half until I had to start all over again. And I finally got my degree, but I switched it to social work for some mm-hmm. strangers. I always liked social work as well. Mm-hmm. And come to find out when you work in entertainment for 20 years, you are kind of like a social worker. <laughs> because when <laughs> you've you been doing the work, this, uh, you know, artists, and rappers or just all that that comes with the music industry mm-hmm. or a social worker, you know what I'm saying? So um, it kind of worked out. So a lot of my friends now, they call me an entertainment social worker. <laughs> yeah. They gave me that little moniker, you know what I'm saying, of a, being an entertainment social worker. Because even though I work heavily in gospel, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of craziness, you know, mm-hmm. on the gospel side of, of the business, even though just like it is on the secular side. Yeah. And you find a lot of imbalance with gospel artists mm-hmm. as you find also with, uh, you know, regular, you know, secular artists. So I think my degree works well for me. <laughs> That's so right, man. How, so how did the name Governor come about? Um, It was just kind of like a nickname that, you know, they gave me in the gospel industry because I was kind of like a dot connector. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And because my history had started off in gospel music uh, in the early years, in the, you know, 90s with, you know, at the time, Hezekiah Walker mm-hmm. um, and being on his team for many, many, many years. I was just a person that had built a lot of great relationships, um, a lot of great, great relationships with gospel artists and mm-hmm. gospel media, entertainment people. Also, because I came out of entertainment on the secular side, I knew how to connect the dots um, and then by the time you get to the early 2000s, 
gospel music is really now becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And I knew some of these people from the mainstream. So just like, you know, just people was like, wow, you know this person? Wow, you know this person? Mm-hmm. Wow, you can connect me to this person? You can connect me to... Man, like, you the mayor. You the governor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's kind of like just became like a little moniker uh, that people know. So, you know, I call the, those people who I work with, those people who I come in contact with, I call them constituents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I work with everybody in, mm-hmm. in the business, man. Yeah. Yeah, I've always appreciated your your sense of, of, of style and fashion. My cousin um, used to hang out with your dad um, back at Beulah, you know, and it, it was, it's just interesting to see how, you know, people's lives kind of start off and it's like, yo, I, this guy, he's got a, like a great sense. Who's your cousin again? Carlisle. Carlisle, he used to teach um, Sunday school. Yeah. Yes, yes. I remember the name and the person. Yeah. yeah. And, and so his, him and his wife, Maxine. And so just finding Beulah was, was a little strange for me because my parents used to listen to like we went to this 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 brother in church on Clawson Avenue in Brooklyn. No organ, no music, none of that. You know, they would sing, but oh, yeah. it's that kind. Of, it was real structured. You know, but my mom's would come home in the evening, and she would put on the radio, and then uh, Will Pastor Jones would be Will, you know would be preaching, and I'm like, yes. the voice sounds familiar. So when I finally got to the church, I was at Boys and Girls High School at the time. When I finally came to the church, you know, a friend invited, Sharon had invited me to the church. And, and I'm sitting down and I could hear the voice. And I'm like, yo, this, this is the guy from the radio all these years. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, so and then to see, to get there and then to see my cousin there. At the time, he wasn't, you know, he was in the church. It was just, you know, just okay, my okay. that was going. So it's just funny how things kind of come full circle. Yeah, and, sure. You know, and so it's then like in the early years to see um, Hezekiah before the, the church growing up. So I guess when I think about the lives that were parallel at the time, and I think I think in the early nineties, you're talking like Jay Z down the other end of Marcy Avenue, and I'm yes. remembering, you know, I'm in the church and. Hezekiah is, you know, won't he make me clean? Well, you know the songs, and I was like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just seeing it, it was just. He was just so, at that time, just Hezekiah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he wasn't mainstream at that time. He was just more a local community choir, you know, mm-hmm. a director. So to see where he is now, and like you said, you knew him and remember him, or mm-hmm. you just knew him. I was around him in those early stages of life. And that's good to always know people from those stages, those humble beginnings, as they mm-hmm. were saying. Now, did you have any idea of, of what you were a part of or what was happening? Not, like, you know, the only thing I remember and from... Okay, I'll, I'll take it back. I joined Hezekiah's choir, now mm-hmm. Bishop Hezekiah Walker. I joined his choir when I was in the my going into my 11th grade or my junior... What's that year? Junior? My mm-hmm. junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. So that was 1987, I believe it was. And um, I was in 11th grade and I joined this choir. Like I said, I was just a little young kid and my mom let me stay and join the choir to kind of keep me out of trouble. So mm-hmm. she said, you know what, if this is going to keep you out of trouble, I don't want you to get drawn into clubs or 
drinking or drugs or anything like that. Or so, which at that time, a lot of my classmates were doing smoking weed and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I wanted to experience it. And I did, you know what I'm saying? But I just knew that it wasn't me because I wasn't born or raised like that, you know, and I was born in a really strict, you know, Christian household with my parents. But long story short, you know, I joined the choir in 87, my junior year. And again, to look up 33 years later, Mm -hmm. I'm still with this person and still a part of their ministry. So I never thought that, you know, um, he was just Hezekiah to me. You know what Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, He was like an older brother, big brother to me. So to have that guidance and to have someone to kind of like lead you and guide you Mm -hmm. uh, and to keep you and protect you from making mistakes and falling into pitfalls was something that I, you know, greatly appreciate. Um, so again, like I said, if I was 1987 junior year in high school, if I was 17 at the time mm-hmm. and to now be 51 and to still be connected to somebody, um, that's a lifetime, you know, that's yeah. like raising a, raising an adult, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, um, um, I didn't take for granted who he was back then to where he is now, but I do appreciate it. And, you know, again, I'm like always, I'm always in amazement, like when I'm traveling or if I travel with them or I'm, I'm you know, we're at a big Hollywood or uh, entertainment soiree and people are so fascinated and mesmerized by like, oh my God, like, you know, it's kind of work. I'm a great fan of yours. I'm a great fan of yours. And I can stand next to him and like, you know, I just know that he's Hezekiah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't put on ears or anything like that or so, but I, I love the fact that from the time I was 17 to now 51, he always still wholeheartedly embraced people. People come mm-hmm. up to him. He always is gracious. He speaks to them. Yeah. He acknowledges them. He lets them know that they matter when they're in his presence. And he never gets big. I never, and I, 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 I've seen that happen on the secular side and on the gospel side mm-hmm. of this business where I see, you know, artists act real, like, you know, big-headed and treat people really not so nice. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that I've never, ever witnessed that. Even when he was having a bad day or having a bad moment or if he was in a rough patch of his life, when he got in front of people, he put the game face on and he treated mm-hmm. people with respect. Yeah. So I always respect consistency, you know, with him. And that's how I kind of live my life in this business. Um, and last week I got honored um, with a you know, entertainment uh, honors within the gospel and music industry. And something they said, you know, I guess it's in my bio that, you know, I always put forth the motto that, you know, your name is all that you have in this, in this business. So, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you don't destroy it, which is something I learned when I worked for Puffy uh, back in the late nineties. And I worked mm-hmm. at Bad Boy and he used to tell us that he said like, your name is all you got in this business. So don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. And again, even if you can look back now, even 25 or so years, as you look, you know, for Puffy, as he evolved from Puffy to P. Diddy to Diddy mm-hmm. to Sean Combs, the entertainment mogul or so, there's nothing really major that you can say really that his name is really bad or destroyed in. Mm-hmm. But even though there could be rumors or anything like that, it never sticks. You know what I'm saying? You know, people just really pretty much see him as, you know, Sean Combs you know, a great businessman. And yeah. I think that, you know, I, I respected that attributes about him and I still do. So um, that's what I kind of, you know, use as my motto mm-hmm. in life. And uh, as I set myself up and as I work in this business. Yes. It's, it's important, man. When I, when I think about it, um, just to be able to, you're sort of like on the, on the outside looking in. But I remember guys coming up during, 
that time, you know, Aaron Hall and and yes. and, I, and so you're you're sitting. I was like, this is the guy. This is this is Aaron Hall. We were sitting out having, you know, at at we weren't we weren't buddies, weren't friends and all that. But I remember he we, we were at Juniors and Juniors was, was was the spot you go. I don't know how. I don't think the food was ever that great, but the cheesecake was always the bomb. Yes. <laughs> but just to remember. Like oh the 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 early beginnings of these artists and and what has what has grown into now um, that that's history man yeah so, yeah that's that's uh, that's a major history and to kind of like know that you know back in that era up into present that we are or we were you know you know they say six degrees of separation but I think we were like two to three. Mm-hmm. degree of separation from really being in that era of knowing some great people, you know what I'm saying? And being yeah. around some great people. Of course, you know, Aaron Hall came out of, you know, the group guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, came out of Hezekiah Walker. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the days when, I don't know if you remember this, Bishop Hans used to have these fourth Sunday night services at Beulah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a young Faith Evans coming to our services at Beulah. Mm. And to our rehearsals, remember, we used to have rehearsals downstairs in, in the basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Faith Evans used to come to these rehearsals and come to our services mm. um, because, you know, she was friends with a choir member that lived in Jersey and they would, you know, commute every Thursday uh, to Brooklyn to our rehearsal. And she would literally be singing our service. And, and I mean, in our rehearsal, you know, singing along. She never joined the choir, but mm-hmm. she was just a spectator from the outside looking in. And to see who she is today, you know what I'm saying? And every time I see her, she still, you know, remembers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still talk. We still engage. And we still talk about that. She was like, wow, I remember you guys rehearsal back in the day. And a couple of years ago, Bishop Hans was uh, honored mm-hmm. at the BMI Awards uh, in Nashville. Um, and they surprised him with Faith Evans singing a tribute song to him, calling my name. Wow. With Timothy Figueroa. It's on, it's on YouTube. You should look it up. And um, right before she sang the song, she gave some words and she talked about, she said, you know, Bishop, I remember coming to your choir rehearsals as a young girl and it would be church and praise and worship going on in your choir rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And she said, that always stuck with me. And that was like, wow. And then she went into singing, calling my name with her and Timothy Figueroa. Um, and that, that, again, that's a testament of, again, being one to two degree of separation from greatness mm-hmm. and from people or just impacting people's life in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, think about it. I'm, I'm going to, you know, you hear glimpses, you know, he walked by you. I like that tide. You know, it's just, it was, it was approachable. It was, yes. it, it was personable. It wasn't just like, you know. I'm off in the clouds and, I, and I'm floating. You know, it was, it was, and when I, when I think about it, it's like, yo, this is, that, that was an incredible time. And, yes. you know, and not trapped like in, in history, but just to kind of see progression yeah. and growth and, and, and see it continue to, to move on. And there is a, um, there's a street out here. Uh, and I'm in Connecticut. So there's Bishop. And I'm like, wait a second. This name sounds familiar, and it just it just continues to kind of bring back memories every time I go past this cathedral out here. And I'm like, yes, the reach is it's when I, when I say it, 
it's not, you know, if I use just his first name, it's not out of disrespect. It's just out of, this is what I remember, you know, yeah. and, but now, you know, I wouldn't, you know, if you're at, hey, how you doing? Call somebody by the first name. It's just, just a question of just respect. But this is how I remember um, the time. And it, it is, it is, it is incredible to see the, the growth and to continue to see even the family, your family and, and, um, Machine is you. You all have a sense of fashion and style. She's doing here, and then your, um, what's his name is doing. Um, he's with a choir. The brother. brother Yusuf. Yes, Yusuf. Yes, he was. He, was uh, he still sings every now and again. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think we were all hung about singing in the choir robes when we got into our forties. <laughs> <laughs> And by the time I turned 50, I was like, I am never singing in the choir ever again. I did it for 30-something years of my life. But um, like I said, it's a great thing. It was a great thing. And it saved me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Singing in a community choir really, really saved me because, again, um, I could have went wayward. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in the early 90s, that was really the, that was the real pandemic of the crack era. Yeah. In the drug era. And I could have easily got led into that, you know, um, especially, you know, where I grew up at, where we lived at, you mm-hmm. know, in Bedford-Stuyvesant at that time was really hit hard with the crack epidemic. epidemic. And, um, you know, I thank God that, you know, having a foundation and having a choir to be a part of mm-hmm. kind of kept me from that. So I never was ever, ever tempted with drugs or liquor or any of that type of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, cigarettes, any of that stuff. And it wasn't even coming from a Christian standpoint. It was just, you know, I was just protected and kept away from that. You know, it never infiltrated my, infiltrated my life. And I'm grateful for that. I don't knock anybody who yeah. has had, you know, who has experienced it or struggled with it. You know, I pray for them. So, but I thank God that, you know, it just didn't, take over my life because I've watched some people whose lives it did take over and you look at them and I even see classmates of mine you know that I went to elementary school with and junior mm-hmm. high school and high school and I'm like oh like you know they got yeah. hit bad and they're still stuck out there in drugs and it's mm-hmm. like 30 years later so you know it saddens me so I'm, but I'm always grateful to God so I don't gloat Mm-hmm. And I don't never put anybody down. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, if I saw someone from my childhood and that I do everything to help them and to encourage them and mm-hmm. to show them love because I'm not, you know, they're not beneath me and I'm not above them. Yeah. And by the grace of God, it could have been me. You know, Absolutely. Easy. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, thank you so very much, man. I certainly appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure following your journey online. And I look, I'm like, yeah, when I grew up, I want to be like him. I figure out the color scheme and everything. <laughs> <laughs> told you you next man you next man like i said you know i can see what you're doing really mm-hmm. definitely expanding i can really see you doing and being diving delving more into commentary mm-hmm. and things of that nature they need to be more black men in front mm-hmm. of the camera doing commentary and things of that nature so um i want to definitely encourage you to expand to expand this platform that you have, you know, behind the wheels and really making it into something greater and bigger mm-hmm. um, so that black men can see other black men like yourself, um, you know, doing commentary and, you know, definitely being more mainstream at, you know, at this commentary thing, because it's good. You definitely have a unique uh, flow and style for it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? 
Um, I know I'm not good at that. <laughs> but for those who are good at it, you know, I mm-hmm. definitely try to, you know, encourage them. So any resources that I have, man, I'll be willing to tie that to you, man, and to help you get to the next level. So definitely, I want you to definitely focus on that about expanding your platform in 2021, mm-hmm. man. So, so I appreciate it, man. Next level, okay? Thank you so much, man. Enjoy. Yeah, I right, love man. you, man. Take care. Love you, Thank too. Thank you so much, Derek. Take care. I appreciate it. All right, peace.